nghe không hình như chưa rõ lắm bảo not strong enough lớn hơn chút nữa được chưa les écouteurs ça va bien Let us enjoy uh, breathing together. Breathing in and enjoy being alive. Breathing out, I smile to myself. Good morning, dear Sangha. Today is uh, the 29th of November, 2012, and we are on the, in the Assembly of Stars Meditation Hall of uh, the Dharma Nectar Temple, Lower Hamlet, in our winter retreat. The Buddha has spoken about uh, the earth about the earth in terms of uh, patience and equanimity. Patience and equanimity can be described uh, as the two great virtues of uh, the planet Earth. Our society is not very healthy, therefore many of us are sick and we need healing and nourishment. We intoxicated ourselves the poisons. Our body and our mind have a lot of poisons. Craving, hate, anger, despair are poisons for our mind. And uh, our body also has a lot of poisons because we don't know how to consume, how to consume. But Mother Earth has uh, a power to heal herself, has the capacity to heal herself, and has the capacity to help us heal if we know how to take refuge in her. 
while the Buddha was teaching uh, Rahula, uh, he mentioned earth as having these uh, virtues, patience and equanimity. If uh, needed, and then Mother Earth can spend one million years and or ten million years in order to heal herself. She is not in a hurry. And she has the power to renew herself. We have to see that. If we study the history of the Earth, we know that she has had a lot of patience. So that now today she has become a very beautiful star, green star. And uh, when we walk, we are aware that uh, the earth is holding our steps. But uh, Mother Earth is not just uh, uh, below under our our feet, Mother Earth is inside of us. To think that Mother Earth is the environment outside of us, around us, is wrong. Mother Earth is inside of us. And we don't need to die in order to go back to Mother Earth. Uh, We are back. We are already in Mother Earth. And that is why we have to to learn how to take refuge in Mother Earth. And that is the best way to heal and to nourish ourselves. So walking meditation is one of the ways to heal. And walking meditation would be successful if uh, we know how to allow the earth uh, to be in us and around us, just to be aware of that we are the earth. And we don't have to, to do much. We don't have to do anything at all in order to get the healing and nourishment. It's like... Um, when we were in our mother's womb. We did not have to breathe. We did not have to to eat because our mother breathed for us and ate for us. We did not have to worry about anything. It is possible to behave like that now. When you sit, allow Mother Earth to sit for you. When you breathe, allow Mother Earth to breathe for you. When you walk, allow Mother Earth to walk for you. Don't make any effort. Allow her to do. She knows how to do it. Suppose you are sitting like this. Don't try to do anything. Don't try to fight in order to to sit. Don't try to breathe in and breathe out. Don't try to be peaceful. Allow Mother Earth to do everything for you. Allow the air to enter our lungs. 
allow the air to go out of our lungs. We don't need to try to breathe in. We don't need to try to breathe out. Just allow nature, allow the earth to breathe in and out for us. We just sit there and enjoy the breathing in and the breathing out. There is the breathing, there is no you who are breathing in and you are breathing out. We don't need a you, a I, in order to breathe in and out. The breathing in and the breathing out happen by itself alone. Try. Do you do? Do you have to do anything? No. Allow the breathing in to take place. Allow the breathing out to take place, and enjoy the in breath and the out breath. And if we do like that, allow our body to relax totally. You don't have to strive. You don't have to make an effort. Behave like uh, the embryon, uh, the fetus in the womb of the mother. Allow your mother to do everything for you. To breathe, to eat, to drink. And this is possible now if you know how to take refuge in Mother Earth. She's a great Bodhisattva. She's the mother of all the Buddhas. All Bodhisattvas, all saints. Shakyamuni is her son. Jesus Christ is also her son. And we are also her sons and daughters. And we have to learn how to take refuge in her and allow her to continue to do everything fast. We don't need to do anything at all. You don't have to fight in order to sit. Allow yourself to be seated. Allow yourself to be yourself. Don't do anything. Let the sitting take take place. Don't strive in order to sit. And then relaxation will come. And you know something? When there is relaxation, the healing begins to take place. There is no healing without relaxation. And relaxation means doing nothing, trying nothing. So why it is breathing in? It's not you who are breathing in. Why it is breathing in? You just enjoy. You say, healing is taking place. Healing, healing is taking place. When it is breathing out, you say, healing is taking place. Allow your body to renew herself, to heal herself, to be nourished. This is the practice of non-practice. Han, Yivohan. Han, 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 practicing the non-practice.
And if we observe, we see that Mother Earth has the power, has the capacity to heal herself and heal us. And you believe in that, that power of healing of Mother Earth. And that belief comes from your own observation, your own uh, experience, and not something people tell you and ask you to believe in. Mother Earth can renew herself, can transform herself, can heal herself, and, and can heal us. And that is the fact. And if you, if we, we recognize that fact, faith is there. We have faith. We take refuge. We allow ourselves to be healed by Mother Earth. And while sitting, we get the healing. While walking, we get the healing. While breathing, we get the healing. We do not have to do anything at all. Just surrender ourselves to Mother Earth and she will do everything. When it is breathing in, I don't want to say when you are breathing in, when the breathing in is taking place, you say, nourishment is taking place. Nourishment. Nourishment. Allow yourself to be nourished. You are nourished by the air. You are nourished by the sunshine. Because the air is embracing you, penetrate into you. And the sunshine also penetrate into you. Father, Son and Mother Earth is there 24 hours for us. Even during the night, the sun is there. Mahavairochala, the Tagata is there during the night. Otherwise, we go freeze. And it's like Mother Earth, the Father Son is also in us and not up there, outside. When I wrote uh, The Sun, My Heart, I had that uh, insight, that vision, that the sun is my heart inside of me. So if we know the practice of uh, non-practice, we don't have to strive to, to fight in order to practice. We know that the healing could be difficult if uh, you don't allow your body to heal, you don't allow your mind to heal. You believe that uh, you need a lot of medicine. You need a lot of uh, exercise, whether uh, uh, physical or, or mental exercises. But the only exercise is, that is uh, that can heal you is the exercise of non-exercise. Don't try anything. Allow yourself 
relax and release all the tension in the in your body and all the worries and the fear in your mind because these things are preventing you to heal to let go to release to take full refuge in the earth in the sun and allow ourselves to be to be healed and that in the four position sitting lying down walking standing always in the refuge allow mother earth father son to penetrate to acting to be acting in order for us to get the healing And it is our experience that there's no healing possible without releasing, relaxing. So when you sit, sit in such a way that you, you don't have to try to sit. You just enjoy deeply your sitting. Nothing to do, nowhere to go. I just enjoy, enjoy my sitting. And if you have a half an hour sitting like that, you have a half an hour of healing. And you enjoy every in-breath. In it's not you who are making the in-breath and out-breath. You don't have to make an in-breath and out-breath. And you do it by yourself. The in-breath does not need itself in order to happen. I don't have to breathe. The breathing just happens by itself. I just enjoy. And if I know how to enjoy the breathing, the breathing will become more pleasant. And the quality of breathing will increase because I don't try to interfere and to, to bend it and to... To, to force it. So the sitting should be natural, without effort. The breathing also, and the walking also. You don't have to walk like this. You allow yourself to walk. Don't try to walk. The walking will take place without you. You don't need a, a will to walk. Allow the walking to take, take place. Be there only and aware and enjoy. Because every step like that is healing. Every step is nourishing. If there is the letting go and the relaxation, No healing is possible without relaxation and letting go. And we should practice this simple thing in order to get healed and to help uh, heal our society and the world. If you do it uh, one hour, you have one hour of healing. If you do it one day, there is one day of healing. This is possible. Make it pleasant, make it uh, uh, healing and nourishing. Everything you do, don't try, don't make any effort.
take refuge in Mother Earth. She knows how to do it. She continues to do it for you. Just like the time, during the time you are in her, in the womb of your mother. Some of us will leave Plum Village, but we can always bring their practice home and continue uh, the practice of healing and nourishment. And we can help uh, members of our families and our community to, to get the healing at the same time. Now we should get back to the Sutra. And last time, uh, a number of us did not get uh, uh, the total uh, teaching. And that is why today I would like to uh, summarize it in, in English. We know that there is a, a dimension of reality called a historical dimension. We live in our time, we live in history. Therefore, uh, in the dimension, in the historical dimension, we recognize birth and death, being and non-being, you and I as different things. The father is not the son. The father has a, another passport. The son has another passport. You can not mix. And that is on the historical dimension. The left is not the right. The above is not the below. And that is what happened in the historical dimension. In the historical dimension, we see things as separate. Things exist outside of each other. Father is outside of the sun. Cloud is outside of flower. And that is true to some extent. It reflects what we call the conventional truth. And the conventional truth is helpful. It works. It's like a classical science represented by Newton. You can apply that kind of science in technology and so on. But now we have another kind of science that goes deeper and they begin to discover another kind of truth. <coughs> 
the quantum physics. In quantum physics, things are quite different. In uh, classical physics, a wave can only a wave be a wave. It cannot be a particle. But in quantum physics, a wave can be a particle, and a particle can be a wave. And a particle can be everywhere at the same time, and not just in one place. And their nature is non-local. So there is another kind of science. And it seems to contradict the things, the truths seen in this dimension. So in, uh, in meditation, also we see two kinds of uh, truth. This is the conventional truth. But if we look deeper, we see differently. We see that the cloud is not outside of the flower. And the father is not outside of the sun. Looking deeply into the sun, you see the father. And that is why there is a way. There is a way of practice that leads us from the historical dimension to the ultimate dimension. Historical dimension, ultimate dimension. So in this dimension, we touch the ultimate truth where you cannot take the left out of the side, right? Where you cannot take the son, the father out of the son. Because things inter are. We, 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 in order to understand, to touch this ultimate uh, dimension, we have to learn how to release the notions that we use in this level of uh, conventional truth. And, uh, the, and uh, what the Buddha said concerning Mm, the genesis of the world is very simple. He did not say that the world is created by God. He said that the world come because of uh, of uh, inter uh, interconnection between things, and. Uh, what he what he said is uh, uh, this is because that is so simple and this is uh, the teaching of genesis genesis in Buddhism. If you ask how the world come to be, and then the Buddha say, this is because that is. 
And in Plum Village, we have a very simple, simple exercise, a simple uh, image, the left and the right of the sheet of paper. The left cannot be by itself alone. The left has to lean on the right in order to be. And the right has to lean on the left in order to be. They are connected. Without the left, there is no right. Without the right, there is no left. So this is because that is so simple. And the same thing is true with above, below, and father, and son, and flower, and cloud, everything. So the Buddha was using notions in the ultimate dimension. He said there is this and there is that. In the beginning, that is a discrimination because this is not that. Because in, in, in that dimension, we used to follow the principle of identity. A can only A. A cannot be B. So the Buddha was using the notions of uh, the, the, the historical dimension in order to lead us slowly into the outward dimension. That is skillful means. Skillful means. He used the concept of this and that. And we, be, we believe, we used to believe this is not that. But he's, he's trying to, 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 to show us slowly that this is in that. And then he is also using the notion of being and non-being. But using this and that, being and non-being, in order to lead us to a dimension where the, this and that are one, are inside each other. And the, the notion of being and non-being can be removed. <coughs> So this is, uh, this is the teaching of uh, conditioned genesis, the teaching of uh, inter-arising, co-arising. And inter-arising, or inter-arising. This is very skillful because uh, we still use uh, terms and ideas. Conventional truth. Atta means the meaning. 
the highest meaning, the absolute meaning, the exhaustive meaning. Param, param akta, parama akta. Cross over, beyond. Tangia. So this is a, a good uh, a good teaching using notions and concepts in order to help us releasing notions and concepts. So this teaching has has the power to connect us with uh, the ultimate truth. And that is why all the teaching presented here, all meditation that we use in order to to uh, to touch the ultimate reality, should should be should be conducive to the ultimate truth, because there are two kinds of truth: conventional and ultimate. And the teaching has to be careful. Has to be, uh, has to be um, conform to this direction, leading us slowly to the ultimate dimension. And that is why this is uh, the best teaching, the best uh, practice of meditation, because it is conducive to the ultimate truth. It can connect us with the ultimate truth. And in the ultimate truth, we speak of, uh, we use uh, words like interbeing. Emptiness. Let us use the word emptiness. Emptiness is an expression that is equivalent to God. God is the ultimate. Emptiness is the ultimate. Emptiness is the absence of notions and concepts. You cannot describe God with notions and concepts. You cannot say that God is or is not. To say God exists is nonsense. To say that God doesn't exist is nonsense because notions of being and non-being cannot be applied to the ultimate. The notion of being and non-being can be used up here, but down here, no more, no more. Because this is the higher truth, the exhaustive meaning. This is a non-exhaustive meaning. 
although non-existent meanings are useful, but they cannot they cannot help us touch the ultimate. So we need some skillfulness. The term interbeing is skillful because it still uses the word being. It still uses the, the word being, but it helps us to get out of the word being, the notion of being. Because uh, in this level, you have to be and not to be. means that being and non-being. As a pair of opposites. And if uh, being is there, and non-being should be there too. It's like the left and the right. You cannot remove the left when the right is still there. So if you confirm the existence of being, you have to confirm also the existence of non-being. And you describe God as being is wrong. If God is being, who will be non-being? So both notions, being and non-being, cannot be applied to God. So in order to get out of the the notion of being and non-being, you use the insight of interbeing. Nothing can be by itself alone. Everything has to interbe with everything else. So the notion of interbeing, although it is a notion, but it is conducive to the ultimate truth. It helps you to be connected with emptiness. Interbeing means you cannot be by yourself alone. This is because that is. You can only interbeing. And interbeing is, is a kind of insight, is a kind of uh, notion that can help you to get the insight that will free you from the notion of being and non-being. Interbeing can connect the conventional truth to the ultimate truth. So it is conducive to, to emptiness. So the teaching of uh, co-arising into being are all conducive to emptiness help us to be connected to emptiness. But there are teachings that can only be used here and cannot help us connect down here. There are the teaching that, uh, that uh, are diluted for the use of many people. 
because uh, the capacity of uh, of uh, touching the ultimate truth is uh, very weak, and that is why they have to make use of uh, uh, the conventional uh, truth teaching. It's like uh, in Buddhism, in the Buddhist teaching, if you if you touch the reality of non-self, of no-self, and then you understand uh, rebirth, uh, uh, karma, and uh, retribution in a quite different way. Rebirth is possible without a self. Karma is possible without itself, and retribution is is possible without itself. But not many people can can understand that, can get that, and that is why many many of the Buddhists still believe still believe in itself, need itself in order to understand uh, the teaching of um, uh, rebirth. There is a soul. There is uh, living principles. Uh, that uh, inhabit a body, and when the body disintegrates, it comes out and go into another body. So that is a self. And most of the Buddhists, they be, they be, they understand rebirth and karma and retribution that way. That is a form of diluted, diluted Buddhism. Something like a homeopathy. very diluted. And we know that uh, the teaching of uh, karma, of uh, samsara, or reincarnation and revision was not at the core of the Buddhist teaching. It, it has been handed down to Buddhism by the teachers uh, before the Buddha. Because, uh, especially in the West, when they think of Buddhism, they think right away of uh, of uh, of uh, 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 reincarnation, transmigration, uh, dharma, uh, karma, and retribution, but that is not uh, the cream of the Buddhist teaching. The cream of Buddhist teaching is interbeing. Is the four noble truths. Is the eight noble noble path. The noble eightfold path, the teaching of uh, of uh, of uh, non, no self, impermanence and no self, and uh, not many people can touch the deep teaching of uh, no self. And that is why the understanding of uh, of uh, reincarnation, uh, karma, and retribution uh, is uh, heavily uh, influenced by the teaching, the pre-Buddhist teaching.
go arising. Middle way, middle. No birth, no death. No beginning, no end. No inside, no outside. No, uh, no oneness, no otherness. All these teachings belong to the categories of teaching and practice that can be conducive to the ultimate uh, truth. And the wisdom uh, that we should use in order to, to, to deliver the teaching and to practice is the wisdom called the wisdom of adaptation. The wisdom of adaptation. It is tùy thuần tí. You go on the way that you have that can be conducive to the ultimate truth, the wisdom of adaptation. Anu loma ta snyana. This is uh, adaptation. This is uh, wisdom. We need the wisdom of adaptation. We need the wisdom of conformity because uh, this this uh, teaching, this practice should help us to be conformed, to be connected with uh, the ultimate truth. and connected with the ultimate truth. So, tương ứng, không tương ứng. Connected with emptiness. Tungung means connected with emptiness. So you deliver, deliver a kind of teaching that can adapt, that can help yourself to be connected with the ultimate truth represented by emptiness.
sunyata prati samyukta prati samyukta is uh, connected with sunyata is emptiness connected with emptiness the kind of uh, Wisdom, called uh, wisdom of adaptation, or wisdom of conformity, that help you to connect with emptiness. And the teaching of the Twelve Links, presented uh, in the way we see it in many sutras, do not seem to help us connect with uh, the ultimate truth. They belong to the category of uh, conventional truth. And we, if we observe clearly the twelve links, the twelve nidanas, they aim more at explaining samsara, reincarnation. And that is why we have to restore the nidanas in such a way that can be more conducive to the ultimate truth. And instead of uh, uh, five uh, nidana, of twelve nidanas, they propose uh, a set of five uh, nidanas that is enough. We can, we can. Uh, it's okay to. to delete all this. The twelve nidanas begin with uh, with avidya, which is uh, ignorance. Delusion. Delusion is a better word. Let me see. We have to try to find the right word. I think uh, delusion is better. perceptions. And according to this teaching, Avidya gives rise to 
samskara. And uh, there are efforts to translate the word samskara. And there are people who say that impulses is the word. Impulses or action uh, according to gift disposition. Action here is uh, is like a nip, karma. And if we spoke about speak about karma, there will be three kinds of uh, action: action by the body, action by the mouth, and action by the mind. So. Avidya delusion gives rise to wrong action, wrong impulses. The kind of energy that is blind and that that will bring suffering. And then, because of samskara, uh, there is a vishnana. Consciousness. Based on consciousness, there will be body and mind. Nama rupa. Name form. Name means mind. Form is body. Because we have body and mind, we have six sense organs and the objects. Sada Yatana. Luknyap. Sense organ and object. Mental consciousness is one of the six. And because we have uh, the sense organs and the object, we have contact, sparsha.
способ. Контакт. Touch. And because of the contact, there will be feelings. Vedana. And because there is feeling, that is why there is uh, attachment. Krishna. Because you are, you have craving, that is why you are caught. Upadana. Grasping. And because of grasping, there is existence, Baba. Being. And because there is being, you have to be born. And to suffer samsara, reincarnation. And then, because you are born, you have to grow old and die. Zaram. Marana, all age and death. So that is the classical way of presenting the Nidanas and the, of the name Pels. But as we study Buddhism, we hear the Buddha spoken of uh, Nidanas in different ways. Sometimes he said there are only three, sometimes four, sometimes five, uh, five, sometimes six. And twelve is only one of the ways to explain co-arising. Interconnection. 
And when I was a student in the in the Buddhist Institute, what he learned is that uh, that these twelve links represent three times and two layers of goals uh, and effect. And the first uh, the first two links, the first two didanas. Uh, belong to the past. Because in the former life, I have uh, got delusion and I have uh, created many actions. And that is why I have to be born to this life. And this life is represented by Eight Nidanas. So, consciousness, name, form, sense organs, contact, feeling, craving, grasping, uh, being, is this life. And that is why after this body disintegrates, I continue with next life. I will be born again and die again. So this is the present. And this is the future. Got your hands on. Không à. Có. Cho lộn tiếng Pháp với tiếng Anh. <cười> so, uh, as a student in the Buddhist Institute, I learned that uh, the twelve Nidanas represent three times, the past, the present, and the future. And it's very clear that the twelve Nidanas has taught aims at explaining reincarnation, rebirth, and not aiming at helping us to touch the ultimate uh, dimension. And then, as a student, I also learned that uh, there are three layers of cause and effect. Because what I have done in the past So this is a cause. And that is why I have got this as an effect. I have got this consciousness, this body and mind, this six organs, this contact and these feelings. So, so this uh, all this is what I inherit from my past. Because of the delusion and the action in the past, I have to I have to inherit 
this kind of consciousness, this kind of body and mind, this kind of sense organs, this uh, contact, these feelings. So this is an uh, effect. Cause and effect. The first layer. of uh, cause and effect. And because I produce craving and grasping and create being and this 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 uh, Three uh, nidana serve as cause again. which will lead to the effect of uh, birth and birth and death in the future. And this is uh, the second set of uh, the second layer. The first set of uh, of cause and effect. This is the second set of cause and and effect. So because of uh, delusion and actions in the past, I inherited these uh, five uh, retribution. And because of uh, the craving, the grasping, and the being that I produce in this time, uh, in this life, that is why I have to be reborn again in order to suffer of birth and death. So this is the teaching of three times and two layers of cause and effect. tam thế lưỡng trùng nhân quả. And as a student, I just believe my teacher. And I accept the teaching like that without. But as I continue to learn and to practice, I find out that this teaching is not uh, the teaching that can conduce to the ultimate truth. It can be used only on the level of uh, conventional uh, truth. It helps to, to explain the mechanism of rebirth.
it is diluted Buddhism. It's not uh, Buddhism at its best. Because its aim is not to conduce, uh, to, to, to lead us to ultimate truth, but only to explain how uh, the mechanism of rebirth. And I found out, I found out many, uh, many problems. The first problem is that we have to understand the word samskara differently. The word samskara, the first meaning, the basic meaning is formation. Samskara means phenomena, things, les shows, les phénomènes. Like a flower is a samskara. A tree is a samskara. A body is a samskara. The anger is a samskara. Anything that relies on everything else in order to express itself is a samskara. And that is why the word formation is a very good English word to transform to translate uh, the word uh, samskara, formation. And we say all formations are impermanence. The flower is a formation because it is made only of non-flower elements. That is the non-flower elements that come together and produce the flower. The flower has no private uh, essence. No, the flower has no own nature. Its existence depends entirely on non-flower elements. And if you remove any of the of non-flower elements, the flower cannot be there. And a flower is a formation. So the same thing is true with a cloud, with a human being, with a tree, with everything. And everything we see is a formation. And that is the basic meaning, the original meaning of the word samskara. But in, in this teaching, the, sams, the word samskara cannot be understood in the same way. So you have to try your best in order to understand what is samskara. And you say that is a kind of impulse. It is a kind of disposition. It's a kind of action. And if action... This is not only the action of the mind, but the action of the body and, and the mouth. And you see that our body and the mind are only here. Our consciousness are here. So that is why that kind of action, that, that, that kind of, uh, of karma, can not happen before the happening of Namarupa and Vishnana. So to think of the of the order, uh, something doesn't work well because uh, we have to wait until the fourth Nirana in order to have a body and a mind in order to perform actions. 
And that is why to interpret samskara as action does not sound very consistent with the teaching. And everyone tries to understand by his or her own way what is the meaning of samskara. But today, samskara just means formations. Because of our ignorance, we see formations as having a separate existence, as having its own true nature, own nature. We see them as selves and dharmas. We are deluded by our ignorance. We see formations as existing outside of each other, independently from each other, having an own nature. We don't see samskara as they truly are. We see samskara through our mental uh, creation. And the world we are observing in us and around us is the world of mental construction rather than the world in reality itself. So samskara is uh, formations, is formations understood as uh, selves and dharmas, understood as uh, as uh, as uh, things that exist uh, by themselves, having their own true nature, and they exist outside of each other, and we see things like that because of delusion. In the case of an enlightened one, a Buddha or a Bodhisattva, delusion is transformed. And when the darkness is not there, the light is there. So in the case of a Buddha, instead of having avidya, he has vidya, means wisdom, or insight. And with his system, he still see samskara formation. The Buddha can see the flower. Do you think that the Buddha can see the flower? But the Buddha, when he look at the flower, he see the flower in the light of interconnection, interarising, co-arising. He see the flower not as a own uh, a, a self uh, as something that can exist by itself. He can see all things, all formations in the light of co-arising. No self. Impermanent. He sees things as they are. He sees formations as they are. Namely, without self, 
without permanence. But we also see samskara, but we see formations as having a self. We are what belong to self. We see samskara as permanent, having self, existing outside of each other by themselves. So there are two ways of looking at samskara, the enlightened way and uh, the lazy way. Because we see samskara as, uh, as uh, having true nature, and that is why that solidifies more our delusion. And because of our delusion, we see formation as having separate existence, self and permanence. And the Buddha, because he sees formations as non-self and non-nature, that is why his wisdom is the wisdom, and that with, with the wisdom he sees formation as they truly are. Yata Bhutan, things as they are. You are not deluded. Samskara for us are having self and own nature. Samskara for the Buddha does not have uh, self and impermanence and separate own nature. That is the difference between delusion and wisdom. And that is why we can very well retain the first nirana and second nirana because that can be conceived to the ultimate truth. The second, the second weakness of this presentation is that if we have craving, grasping, and uh, attached to being, effect. We blame these uh, five things as cause. Because we have a consciousness, we have uh, a body and mind, we have uh, the sixth sense organ, we have contact, we have feeling. That is why we have craving and grasping and being. This is effect. And this is the second set of of cause and effect. But look at a Buddha. He also has his uh, consciousness. He also has his body and mind. He also has his uh, sixth sense organ. He also gets contact. He has also feeling. But why he doesn't have craving? 
We have craving and we have aversion. Craving is only one of the things. Whether we like or we dislike. When you like this world, you want to survive. When you want, you hate this life, you want to commit suicide. So you crave for being or you crave for non-being. Those who, who suffer so much, who, who do not like to be alive, they, are also, they have also a craving. Craving for non-being. Very attempting sometimes. Tempting sometimes. So craving, you, you, you crave for being. And craving, you can crave for non-being. And it is not because we have a body and a mind that we can produce only craving or hate or grasping. Because an enlightened person like the Buddha, he has a body, he has a mind, he has six sense organs, he has feeling and contact, but he can produce Freedom, non-attachment, compassion, loving kindness. So you cannot blame on your body and mind for your afflictions. And that is the second lacune, shortcoming of the set. And then the feelings bring either craving or aversion. Or attachment, or fear, many things. Why do you put only craving in here? And not to say that uh, if you are are an enlightened person, and then contact and feeling can bring about compassion and loving kindness. Because when when we see the suffering outside or around me, uh, and if I have mindfulness and concentration, I allow myself to get in touch with the suffering, and I allow compassion and loving kindness to be born. This is a very good thing. to to allow to be allowed to be born. And that is why to say that contact and feelings can only bring craving and grasping, that's not complete. It can bring uh, it can bring enlightenment, it can bring understanding, it can bring love. And that is why this this set of niranas aim only at explaining uh, reincarnation, samsara, transmigration, and can be, can be used only on the level of the conventional truth. It, can, it, does, 
it is not conduct, conducive to, 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 to the ultimate truth. It doesn't belong to the set of, uh, uh, of teaching and practice that can be adaptive and, and, uh, and conducive and connected with the connected with the ultimate uh, truth. So, on this side, you have a delusion. Delusion, and you look at formation, and you don't see that true nature. They see, you see formations as having a self-nature, own nature. Uh, they are permanent. They... they they can be there forever. They exist outside of each other's. And you live in a world of delusion. And what you see, and you, what you are in touch with, also help to increase your delusion. So based on delusion, you see formations like that. And because you see formations like that, it strengthens your delusion. And that is a connection. This is... That is why that is. That is because this is. So it is well connected with uh, emptiness. And when you see things, when you see formations in that that way, you see that There is birth and death. When you see formations as things that exist outside each other, you can see the beginning, the ending, the inside, the outside, and then you can see the the birth and death of formations. But when you when you contemplate a cloud, you see that it is possible for a cloud to die. To die means from something you become nothing. And that is not the case of the cloud. A cloud cannot become nothing. A cloud can become snow, or rain, or ice. So it is impossible for a cloud to, to die. So with, uh, with uh, wisdom, the Buddha look at formations. They, they see that these formations, their true nature, is nature of no birth and no death.
And if you touch the, the nature of no birth and no death information, you are truly see the formation as they, they are, they truly are. And uh, science is capable of finding no birth and no death. Uh, the first law of thermodynamics, the law of the conservation of matter and energy, tell us that the nature of matter and energy are the matter of no birth and no death. You cannot create matter. You cannot destroy matter. You cannot uh, create energy. You cannot destroy energy. You can only transfer. Transfer matter into energy, energy into another kind of energy, energy into matter. But you do not have the power to create new matter or to destroy uh, energies that are there. So in the realm of physics, realm of uh, chemistry, people in the, in the realm of science can understand the nature of no birth and no death. And we, in the realm of meditation, if we look deeply with mindfulness and concentration, we can see the nature of no birth and no death of a cloud. A cloud hasn't come from nothing, from non-being. A cloud has come from, from the steam, from, from, the, from, from the water of the ocean. And the notion of birth and death always go along with the notion of being and non-being. The shortcoming of, uh, of this presentation is to, to blame suffering on being. But being, how can being poss- be possible without non-being? So being here should be understood as being and non-being. In fact, we suffer not because of being, but the notion of being and the notion of non-being. So, conduct and feelings can bring either craving or aversion or compassion or freedom. It depends how we use these sense organs and contact. So, this presentation is not complete. And contact and feeling can give rise to grasping, but also for, for releasing, releasing, and freedom also. So this is not complete. And uh, suffering, because we cling to the notion of being and non-being. We are afraid either of being or we are afraid of non-being. But with wisdom, not only you are free from the notion of birth and death, you are also free from 
from the notion of being and no non-being. No being, no non-being. So it, uh, on this level, to be or not to be is the question. But in this level, to be or not to be is no longer the question. You are free from both notions. And there's no fear anymore. You are not drowned into the waves of birth and death, being and non-being. You are free. And that is Nirvana. Nirvana is perfect freedom. Because the insight of uh, you see formation as they truly are. And these formations, their own nature is no birth and no death, no being and non-being. And with that kind of insight, you enjoy nirvana without fear, without craving. But with delusion, you see formations as self and permanent entities. You see them in the light of birth and death, being and non-being. That is why you navigate always in the realm of samsara. So we need only about five. One, two, three, four, five. Five nirvanas. If you don't have delusion, and then you see formation as they really are, and then you don't see birth and death anymore, you, don't be caught, you are not caught in the notion of being and non-being anymore, and you get out of samsara, you are in nirvana. You don't have to go to nirvana. Nirvana is right there. You have been nirvanized already since the non-beginning. So with some skillfulness, we can always begin here on the level of the conventional truth. And with that skillfulness, we slowly get out of the output of the conventional realm of truth. We use the wisdom of adaptation. We use the the wisdom of conformity in order to to look at things in such a way and to help people to get out slowly of these notions and concepts using the middle the middle way. The middle way is a way that help you to be free from pairs of opposite, birth and death, being, non-being, inside, outside, object and subject, and so on. It would be very interesting if scientists of our time know how to go the middle way.
because uh, many of them are still asking questions like uh, why what is the what is the cause of the universe the cosmos why is there something rather than nothing so they are still caught in these notions of uh, beginning ending being and non-being the wisdom of adaptation the wisdom of conformity help us to practice and to to offer the practice in a, in a way that help us to be connected with the ultimate dimension represented by e emptiness Yeah, trước không? Is it easier than last time? Yes. Good.